stand by me. Let's protect this tree from the freeway misery. Who knows how the monster started to grow that way? Her parents are frightened, wish it would go away. But the taxes keep coming, they have to be spent on the big bull. And the tanks of cement oh, stand by me. Let's protect this tree from the freeway misery. Hello and welcome back to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. So um, this episode is going to be a cheat episode. I, I know I'm supposed to only do about 100 pages in each episode, but once in a while there's a situation where something is so in-depth I have to go a little bit slower, but um, in this case, it's, I found so little to, to say about a, a set of documents that I'm just going gonna, gonna to do about double my normal length. Uh, I suppose you can forgive me for that. Um, it's, uh, what I'm talking about here are the, the, the journals of Aldo Leopold. Um, now, you know, I think they're good they're here. I think they have interest for some readers. I think they, they, are, they do have a kind of a literary flair to them at times but as far as like Leopold's philosophy I don't think they're the richest um, sources that um, in this book I really enjoy going through the, the essays and of course the San Antonio Almanac is brilliant but um, this 200 pages of his journals they're you know they're interesting historical documents if you're going to write a biography of Leopold you certainly want to look at them um, but I'm just not quite sure what to say about them all, so I'm going to uh, give you my thoughts about, you know, what's in there. I'll tell you, you know, what journals are here, um, but, you know, I, I think there's not too much depth we can get uh, into these, so. <coughs> oh, excuse me. So I apologize for that. Maybe I'm just not quite quite sure how to um, go at them. Now, what's really valuable about this in this collection, and that's why I think at the end of the day, even though I'm not getting, I don't find them the most interesting part of this volume, I think by including them, the Library of America did make a contribution because we have like a lot of Leopold's drawings. We have his um, maps that he sketched about the places he went. Um, we have also have a lot of his photos so that he took during these these expeditions so that makes this if for no other reason um a valuable record and, and certainly someone who wanted to maybe tell the story of leopold's life i think to be interesting but it's not it's not that easy to find connections between these journals and i think his his overall work so i'm just going to to uh yeah i'll just let you know it's here so um these journals though they cover a period from 1920 all the way until all the way into 1943 so this is uh, covering a big part of his career and most of his most of his life so um, what are they like well most of these trips that he took they, they weren't huge expeditions I mean these were uh, hunting expeditions he took just sometimes they seem like vacations I don't think you don't get the sense he got like funding for these. These weren't like scientific investigations. These were his personal journals of different just vacations he took and voyages he took. Um, 
voyage, maybe that's the wrong term. Sometimes he would just go to different places and with friends and hunt. So that's, especially the first half, it really feels like just uh, like a hunting log. And, you know, when we think about the impact of humans on the environment in, in history, it's, you know, we got to talk about hunting. And this is the theme that came up in his essays where he talks about, like, as an individual, you don't really know the impact that your hunting has on nature, right? He actually scolded uh, conservation-minded sportsmen for saying, well, you want to conserve, you, you want us to be, you want the government to be engaging engage in game management to support you, you're a game hunter or you're a sportsman, or I mean a game farmer or a sportsman, uh, and you want to have this supply of, of animals and you think the government should do something about that, but you don't realize the impact you're having. The real problem is you're harvesting too much. And, you know, if a few thousand hunters, you know, take an extra deer and that, you know, or, or take a few extra birds and their hunting trips, that's going to have a big impact. Um, but you see here, like Leopold was a very, very excellent hunter and he hunted quite a lot and he seemed to really, really enjoy it. Um, you see his ambivalence about this, I think, in a San County Almanac, but you don't see that ambivalence here in these journals. You see him very proud of his hunting prowess. Um, so I think that might be a change in his, his attitude over time. But anyways, um, so overall, good that these are here, but, but I can imagine why a lot of you might just want to skip this part of, of the book. Um, in fact, I would say, unless you're really into this stuff, I think a Sanconi Almanac gives you all you need. That's like the must-read part of this. Um, and these other things, letters, the journals, interesting, useful perhaps to some, but, you know, not, not maybe essential reading. So that's why I'm going to kind of cram two episodes worth of content into this one. I, I do that occasionally in situations like this. Um, so anyways, the first voyage, the first trip, really I should say trip, a lot of these are trips, although he does talk about one as a voyage, even giving it, even giving his journals for that, a cover page that make it look like a 19th century travel log or an 18th century travel, travel log. Well, the, the first of these was December 16th to December 22nd, 1920 to, uh, Bernardo County, um, in... Well, it's in the southwest. Um, it took him nine hours from Albuquerque to Bernardo Lakes. It's, it was a, a six-hour drive um, with a few stops. So it's a local trip for him. And, you know, he just spent, a, you know, a week or so there. Um, and it's mostly about hunting. That's, that's what kind of, you know, he jumped in. I was kind of interested to see him because they had such beautiful photos. Um, but it was like a, a one-week hunting trip um, and a massive kill count. I, I, I really was tempted to count the kills um, here. But let me read a bit of this so you get a sense of what his journal sound like. Carl and Starker snoozed while I snuck around to the blind, set the decoys, and killed a hen sprig, a big full-plumaged gadwell and two butterballs. Came back and found Carl shaving, so I had to follow suit. Then went out after quail, found four con conveys of 12 to 15 birds each, and we each got five. Carl got four bunnies, and I got two. They were very plentiful. In the evening, Carl and Starker picked up one godwall, two widgeons, two spoonies, one butterball. I explored the north shore of the North Lake and missed three fine shots at a gadwall, getting one wild widgeon. Tonight, the shooting and the tumult dies as the Sunday hunters depart. So just in that one day, you get a sense of the, the, the kill count 
that he engaged in. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he was all within the law and all that, but, and, and he's a conservationist and a, and a game manager. So, you know, he, he knows what he's doing in regard to these things, but it's, um, you know, he really seemed to like his hunting. Um, now, the second one, he actually, the journal actually has like a cover page that he apparently wrote with the, that makes it look like an 18th or 19th century travel log. The Delta Colorado, this is how it's, the title is The Delta Colorado being an account of the voyage of discovery by Carl and Aldo Leopold, gentlemen adventurers into the mythical straits of Anin, the jungles of the Rio de Pescador, and the environs of the Vermilion Sea in their hunter's moon, A.D. 1922. And then he has a quote from Sir Humphrey Gilbert. Many voyages had been pretended, yet hitherto never have thoroughly accomplished by our nation an exact discovery into the bowels of these main, ample, and vast counties. Um, so there's a little bit of pretension in it, but it's fun. And it's, it, it, it shows him maybe having some sense that maybe there's a, a role for his journals in posterity. Um, and, and here they are. But again, it's hunting. Now, this is the first journal we have, and, and the dates for this are... It's a longer one. It's late October to mid-November 1922, a more significant naturalistic uh, expedition, although still a lot of hunting. But here he also includes like a record of the animal life. So there is some natural history. That might be another group of people who might be interested in these or people who are interested in the natural history of some of these regions. So we get a record of the animal life. We got notes on tracking. We have... Uh, Like different uh, flora and fauna here, camp notes, even about like what he ate and the supplies he had to take with him on there. Um, you know, it's really interesting here. Like he's got a section here, game feeds, where he's he's tracking down what these people, what these animals are eating. Um, you know, so he's got like for coyotes, he puts question mark rabbit, and then he's got a note note tied to that saying all sign contained fur. So I guess he's looking at scat here and determining coyote, uh, the coyote diet of rabbit based on the fur. Um, goes through the birds of prey and, the, and they're the smaller birds that they prey on. And so there's a lot of interesting stuff for maybe ecologists to, to mine for some, for, for some details here. I found the most interesting is where he gets into the tracking issues um, and the different animals he saw with... Uh, with where they where they dwell and and how he's able to track them so some fun stuff there uh the next one we have is 1924 canada this was uh, like a two-week expedition from june 11th to june 24th 1924 uh this is uh, uh to a place called loon island um and the structure here is much the same. You have his day-to-day -day accounts of the hunting, of the places he, he went, of some of his, uh, even the food he ate and, the, and his companions and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we get a little bit more, I think, sensitivity to, to nature in this one where, you know, he, he's more doing more observing of wildlife and writing about it rather than just giving a list of all the things he killed um, each day. Um, there's also mentions here of Indians that he encounters, and there's like one mention where they, 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 what is it? They 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 feed an Indian, and then sometimes he'll make like we didn't see any Indians today. So there seems to be Indians and Indian guides in particular hanging around this this area. Um, and then after the day to day, we get some like a, some appendix here. 
where we get notes on the birds seen on the trail, animals seen on the trail, the plants seen, various observations, uh, notes on a, what a successful uh, voyage like this would requires, uh, the supplies they need to take. So quite a lot of detail in, in them, but, but, you know, this is, I guess one way we can think about this is th this is a lot of his raw material. This is like a lot of the evidence that he's going to take when he's later going to write his articles and write a book like a San County Almanac. He's f kind of building off of, I guess, these, these various experiences he, he had. Um, so that actually, everything I just said covers about a hundred pages of, 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 of journals, a little bit short of it. Um, so the next expedition uh, we have in front of us is the one he took to Canada in 1925. This one is my, I think it's one of my more favorite, it's, it's the one I like more, um, partially because it's, it's not so much about hunting. I, they didn't seem to hunt um, on some of these Canadian voyages that much. So and so we get really his observations of, of nature, of wildlife, which are, some of them are quite quite uh beautiful quite uh observant so even the like he's a really good writer i think that's one thing too very simple writer very straightforward but just very very good and you know these aren't really meant for for the public but you know once in a while we we do get some really nice writing coming through here uh like one and so that actually sometimes they get to some of the his his themes like one thing we saw he was really interested in is natural history and the deep natural history and he makes an observation in this Canadian journal, uh, quote, this country down the river is full of moose sign, but the beaver workings are much older than those above. In fact, we found old dams from which all the wood had rotted entirely away. They were covered with grass and the floods had torn spillways through them, end quote. Um, you know, it's a reminder that one of the species that has done more to change, done it, you know, been almost human-like in their ability to change landscapes has been beavers, you know, and beaver damming. And sometimes this will, a beaver dam will impact the local ecology for, for years and years. If it, if it blocks a stream uh, or, you know, eventually blocks a river, reroutes a river, whatever. And, and, you know, it takes decades for this wood to, to break down. And so the, the, this will be longer term impacts just like humans make on, on the natural world, but, you know, done by animals. Uh, not maybe not consciously of what they're doing, but you know with some level of, of sovereignty and, and awareness, I suppose But a little bit of like a nice little historical observation, I guess of the the generations of the beaver dams So what I, I really would have liked to have seen here would have been if he had journals on the Germany trip because I'm, I'm still curious about that Germany trip trip he took in 1936 is it but we do got uh, journals from the 1936 Mexico trip he took and, and and this, these are important because this is referenced in some of his other writings that we've already talked about. Now, I think, for my money, the, the best part are the Shack journals. Now, the Shack was, uh, this is the Shack associated with San Coney Almanac, of course. Uh, he, you know, his observations, and especially the first part of the San Coney Almanac, come from his time in the Shack. The Shack is just like a, like a cabin on in this land he, he had in in Wisconsin right and so you know that's maybe what most people associate geographically with Aldo Leopold is this shack and we have his shack journals too for the time he stayed there and he would stay there for for sometimes just weekends sometimes for a week um, you know he'd often visit several times 
over you know over a year for instance we got one entry and some of these entries are only like a line long but uh, january 12th february 3rd april 20th to 24th april 27th 29th um, and that's when he bought the place he mentions buying it then may 19th june 20th june 30th july 5th or 6th obviously it's not far from where he's working in, in madison so it's, it's not surprising he took a lot of trips here now a lot of these are just small entries but we got a decade of of these notes these these little journals entries from the shack and i don't know if he just kept a book there and every time he went he, he jotted down day to day by day what what happened he, he wasn't as conscious conscious of like recording something for posterity or for research as in some of the other journals this really was a place of recreation for him but there are moments of of, of really wonderful stuff here there's some great little americana here like one entrance one entry um gus's last hunt this is about his dog cool i'll read this little story um usually these are just one at line entries but gus's last hunt is like a whole little essay we came up to get us a deer took the boat up to anchors island hoping to find it free of hunters i stood at the lower crossing while estelle and gus went up the north shore to make a dive drive they had no sooner left than i found the fresh tracks of a deer crossing the channel from the mainland and dragging a leg there was blood it was clear someone's cripple was on the island in a few minutes a disgusted looking hunter appeared he had followed his cripple to the island but couldn't find her when i was talking to the hunter i heard gus's big game yelp i knew that he had found the cripple and hurried to join him when I got there, I found Estella in tears and Gus in the middle of the river. The deer had taken to the water and crossed to the north shore. Gus had followed. On the bar in the middle, he had come upon the doe and gotten kicked. I heard the doe give a loud blat, like a half-grown calf in desperation. Gus was a weak swimmer because of his crooked leg. I doubted whether he could make it make the far shore which was which was to which the current carried him. We hurried back towards the boat, but it was too far to enable me to reach him in time. We were overjoyed when he at last reached the north bank. It took me half an hour to get to the boat and cross the river. When I heard, when I reached him, he had his hind legs in the water, his forelegs clinging to a sod. He was baying weakly, but was unable to lift his head. I carried him to the bank, but he couldn't stand. His hindquarters were paralyzed, either by exhaustion or the kick from the deer or both. Gus recognized me when I carried him up the bank, but he was soon seized by convulsions. I covered him with my coat and could do nothing else for him. I had to tell him goodbye and put him out of his misery. So that's the the, the death of Gus, uh, him chasing that crippled deer because of the the, the previous hunter's failure. And the date for that is, is 1940. It's between 1943 and 44. We don't actually have a date for that entry. Um, but apparently early 1944 is when that took place. So, uh, and we also got a nice little picture of, two pictures of Gus, one of him hunting with, with Leopold and one just of Gus. And you see in that picture, the crippled leg. So, um, well, a tragic little story. Um, the other thing we have here, of course, we should mention is uh, Leopold was at the shack when he died, right? There was a, a fire and he went to put out the fire. He was there like, I guess it was planting trees. Um, but there was a fire he went to help put out the fire and that's when he had a heart attack and, and died after that the entry for april 21st is this uh weather clear calm cold frosting grass 36 degrees at 6 a.m southwest vein 
Scene. Geese. The geese must have returned to the marsh after dusk because there was an unusual outward flight to southwest between 515 and 540, mostly in small enough groups to be either counted or estimated. Figures total figures total uh, 821, but there may have been more that went east or north that flew too low to reach the skyline. And then he actually lists the flocks uh, and he adds them all up. Total, totally observed 871 geese. Phenology. This is quoting directly again. Phenology. European white birch almost in pollen. April 19th is spent today. Blood rot in shower bed. Closed 6 a.m. Blood root in shower bed. Sorry. Closed at 6 a.m. So that's his final entry. Um, and it brings us sort of full circle. Because if you remember in San County Almanac, one of the early parts of that, I think it's actually the April or the March um, entry for San Colony Almanac. He talks about the returning geese and how the geese returning is a sign of the spring. And he's experiencing this on his last day. And I think that's um, kind of notable and kind of touching. So, um, yeah, that's all I really wanted to say about these selected journals. I, I think they're really kind of neat. And, and they're, they have all the pictures. I think you, you want to look through these for the pictures, for the drawings he made. Um, you know, even like bow, things about bow hunting. Uh, you see him fishing, you see him swimming, you see him hunting, you see him with his comrades with in canoes and things like that. So if you're if you're an outdoorsman, outdoors woman, you, you like nature and you like to read about people observing nature and experiencing it, these journals are useful. Um, I like the shack stuff, though. I think, uh, you know, a place he kept coming back to. And we see him actually talk about some of the things that he writes about in a San Coney Almanac. That's really nice and, and, and kind of beautiful. But overall, I think as far as any kind of deeper analysis or historical significance, that's really depends on how we use them. So if you're listening to this and you're interested in ecology, if you're interested in Leopold, his biography, or maybe you want to take a gander at these for natural history of, of some of the places he traveled to, New Mexico, Canada, Mexico a few times, other short hunting trips, and the shack in Wisconsin. Go check them out. Um, it's just I'm not going to just think too much more about them, but um, there they are. So coming up, we'll have one more um, episode on Aldo Leopold, where we'll look at his selected letters. Um, and these letters, many to family, uh, many, many to uh to other people in conservation. So we, we should get a mixture of personal and professional um, issues in, in there. So that's it. So um, anyways, thanks so much for listening uh, to me as I work my way through with a lot of pleasure the, the writings of Aldo Leopold. You know, the last series I did before this was James Adji and he was a challenge to say the least, but, but Aldo Leopold isn't. He's a very, very different writer. And I think that's great because he's, he did so much to bring awareness of ecology to the public. And, and maybe no other American writer did as much to do that. Um, you know, there's other important ecologists who maybe are greater uh, in terms of the depth of the thought or the research. Wendell Berry comes to mind, of course. But, but I think Leopold as a popularizer, as someone who's just so influential because of his book, A San County Almanac, you know, it's been really fun kind of going through the adventure of his life but we're not quite done we got one more episode to to get through 
Um, but uh, I hope you'll stay tuned to, to listen to that next time I post an episode. Um, but let me know what you think. Maybe you'd read these journals. Maybe you see more in them than, than, than I did. Um, if you did, let me know what you saw. Um, but that'll be it for now. So thanks for, for listening, and I will we'll see you next time as we conclude this series on Leopold. Now the men on the highways need those jobs we know. Let's put them to work planting new trees to grow. Building new parks where the kids can play Pushing that cement monster away Oh, stand by me, let's protect this tree From the freeway misery There's a cement octopus sits in Sacramento